1: We were following up on our more recent Red Alpha campaign work where we were tracking Chinese cyber espionage against a series of Tibetan community victims and found this really interesting Linux backdoor.
0: That's Winona Sombre. She's a threat intelligence researcher at Recorded Future. She's co-author of the report, Chinese Cyber Espionage, Originating from Tsinghua University Infrastructure along with her colleagues, Sanal Chohan, who we'll hear from in a moment, and Justin Grossfeld.
1: And upon analyzing the backdoor, we actually noticed some connections to the same web server from Tsinghua University. Now, this university is effectively the MIT of China. Hmm. So it was incredibly fascinating to find a premier Chinese academic institution trying to break into a Tibetan victim group through an incredibly novel, specifically Linux-based backdoor.
2: And so that was our kind of entry point into this piece. That's Sanal
0: Chohan. He's a senior threat intelligence analyst at Recorded Future.
2: Uh, we're expecting to, uh, it to be a, a fairly straightforward kind of piece of analysis looking at this new backdoor, uh, reversing it, looking for some IOCs and, and kind of fleshing out our technical analysis accordingly. Now,
0: take us through some of the background here. I mean, the the People's Republic of China has uh, quite a history when it comes to Tibet.
1: Yes. Um, So the the People's Republic of China uh, claims complete sovereignty over Tibet, and all Tibetan independence movements are considered separatist threats, sometimes even terrorist threats by the Chinese government. So... Aside from other forms of coercion, cyber espionage against Tibetan targets is pretty up there as a frequently used tool, especially when tensions are running pretty high.
2: Tibet is uh, generally regarded as one of the, uh, the five poisons uh, for the Chinese state, uh, that being essentially the, the five primary risks to the uh, stability of the, uh, the PRC government, uh, the Chinese Communist Party. So uh, Tibet um, has, has long been regarded as, a, as an extension of the Chinese mainland. Uh, it's uh, treated as such by the, the Chinese central government, uh, and therefore it, it poses quite a, a, an interesting predicament uh, as far as kind of uh, foreign relations are concerned. Uh, the Tibetans themselves, of course, uh, think of themselves as, a, as an independent nation and are striving for independence. Uh, but that's, uh, that's clamped down upon quite vigorously by the Chinese authorities. Uh, and we see that being played out in a variety of different um, kind of arenas uh, on the peripheral of the the kind of Chinese mainland. Uh, the same kind of scope is is played out with with the Taiwanese, uh, and also with the Falun Gong movement, which is a uh, a pseudo religious movement that that stemmed from the, the kind of 50s and 60s.
1: I think the first form of cyber espionage used against Tibet was called Ghostnet in 2008. Um, just used as a wider attempt to monitor certain targets of interest within that region.
0: And Tsinghua University is is at the center of uh, of your work here. Can you give us some background on what they do there and the part they play within the Chinese uh, Chinese community?
2: Absolutely, yeah. So the Tsinghua University it's a it's a uh, an elite university, uh, renowned globally for its work in uh, high end technical research and engineering practices. Um, it's uh, state controlled entirely, and it has extensive links to uh, the Chinese state. Uh, Somewhat obviously, right? I mean, it's entirely funded by the state. Um, but it does have uh, a, a, a long history of affiliation with the, uh, the People's Liberation Army, the PLA. Um, it, for example, sort of in, in 2017, uh, the PLA had partnered with uh, another university called Qian Jiao Tong University to create a cyber militia program. Um, and, you know, sort of before that, other universities in China have kind of uh, partnered with uh, various elements of the, the Chinese state and uh, in intelligence services to conduct joint bits of research and, and to conduct joint operations. Uh, and so, Tsinghua was, was, was something that, again, like I said at the start of the conversation, Dave, I mean, we, we weren't expecting to, to see the number of uh, events probing the, the same device that the back door was found, um, emanating from the, the same uh, IP, which resulted of University.
0: Now, this relationship of of the university working hand-in-hand hand with the government on these sorts of things Was this something that was known to researchers like you, or or was this a surprise?
1: Um, So I want to be clear that we're uncertain of the actual relationship between individuals in Tsinghua conducting any sort of cyber espionage, but Mm. we do know that universities of this caliber within China have a very close relationship to the government. For example, the PLA um, partnered with certain universities to create cyber militia programs. Um, Some APT-17 infrastructure was connected to a professor at a different university. So this sort of cyber cooperation between academic and government institutions in China is pretty common.
0: I see. So walk us through uh, what you discovered here in terms of the actual analysis of the threat.
1: When we first found the uh, Tsinghua University IP we ran a couple scans, found that it is likely, in all, in all likelihood, a, an internet gateway from the university. And a lot of the traffic that we found was scanning, targeting various institutions at incredibly interesting times in the geopolitical sphere. Hmm. So, for example, the Tsinghua University IP targeted the Alaskan state government During a time when Governor Walker, the the governor of Alaska, was initiating a trade show with other Chinese institutions and really wanted to develop a relationship with Chinese institutions during the height of this U.S.-China trade war, Hmm. this particular Trade show was dubbed Opportunity Alaska, and it consisted of delegates from Alaskan businesses and the fishing, tourism, architecture, and investment industries. And a lot of chatter occurred around the prospect of a gas pipeline between China and Alaska. And during the announcement of uh, Bill Walker getting this trade delegation together, during the trade delegation uh, in China, and right after the delegation departed China, Recorded future noticed multiple attempts at scanning activity at Qinghua targeting Alaskan state government institutions as well as the Alaska Department of Natural Resources.
2: You know the the activity emanating from the the Qinghua IP was reconnaissance uh, and not active exploitation. So uh, we've had a, a a few kind of comments come back post the uh, the issuing of our report yesterday, um, kind of questioning. You know, is did we see any evidence of actual compromise? Well, no, not directly. Uh, but what we can infer from our observation of the reconnaissance uh, is that uh, exploitation may well have taken place because we've seen the activity probing some of these networks go dark in the last two months. And it was quite a, a, a quite high levels prior to that.
0: So the, the, the connection here, the, I guess the supposition, is that uh, they're trying to gather information that might be advantageous to their negotiating process or things like that?
1: yes as as well as other possibilities that you can get from scanning right so by scanning a target system you can perhaps get a little bit more information about the technical um, services running on those machines and even perhaps use that information to conduct more offensive operations against these targets in the future hmm
0: So another thing that you highlighted in the research was uh, this thing called the Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, Can you describe to us what's going on with that?
1: So the Belt and Road Initiative in China is effectively China's present-day attempt to create the ancient Silk Road from 2,000 years ago. So by investing in these major infrastructure projects all across the world, particularly in uh, underdeveloped or developing countries, China hopes to transform its geopolitical influence in various regions such as Africa, uh, the Middle East, and um, parts of Southeast Asia.
2: So, we're we're looking at uh, an investment program that stretches from China all the way through West, uh, through the Caucasus region, uh, through the Middle East, uh, into East Africa, uh, and and also kind of touching Western Europe with uh, a key kind of train link being established between uh, Beijing and uh, a city in Germany called Duisburg, I think it is, uh, and this is all kind of directly invested uh, in by the Chinese state in order to to corral influence, to to improve the the standing of their economy, and also to uh, create uh, opportunities and, and an economic interests in in many of those kind of countries in between. So it's a a multi trillion dollar um, program uh, that was announced by President Xi Jinping. It's a bit of a a baby project of his, really, and uh, in these kind of Riding high in the polls as a result of uh, pushing for this um, in, in country, but I mean, essentially, it, it's a way for, for the Chinese state to kind of uh, extend their influence uh, beyond the, the kind of immediate neighbourhood in, in sort of East Asia. So it's uh, it's proving to be quite an interesting um, trend to, to observe from a, a cyber threat analyst perspective, because uh, of course, in order for the Chinese to to make uh, good on their investments. Uh, they're looking for any kind of strategic economic advantage. And, and the, the kind of primary way in which they tend to achieve that is through cyber espionage. And so by looking at the potential targeting or potential business relationships with any of those uh, organizations and countries uh, I, I mentioned in the report and also uh, to you here, uh, I mean, that that will give us a unique insight into potential um, business relationships and transactions that are taking place between the Chinese and and those countries are looking to uh, get some money from the Chinese authorities for the, uh, the BRI.
0: And so in terms of, of the scanning that they were doing related to those efforts, uh, how did those align?
1: For example, Kenya um, was lobbying for regional projects under this particular uh, Belt and Road Initiative. And China's already funded major, major infrastructure projects in that country. Uh, for example, a 480-kilometer railway in uh, Mombasa and its capital, Nairobi, But once the Kenyan trade principal secretary rejected signing a China free trade deal, we saw spikes in network reconnaissance activity after Kenyan establishments. Um, The same thing actually happened in Brazil. And I think it was about one month after the China communications construction company began construction within uh, one of the Brazilian ports. certain areas in Mongolia when the Chinese proposed a new Eurasian land bridge.
0: Now, another thing you highlighted was uh, probing of um, of Daimler's network. What was going on there?
2: Yeah, so uh, again, I mean, we didn't see this uh, in our original pull of data, um, dating back to sort of May and early June. Um, in fact, the, the, the Daimler um, paragraph was added fairly late in the day, uh, just prior to publication, because... Uh, we we found uh, the evidence of them being probed, uh, and in a similar way to the the way in which the Alaskan network and the Kenyan Ports Authority was was being probed in late June. So we're looking at again, you know, circa sort of 20th 24th of June. Um, Daimler AG networks uh, were, were being probed for four specific ports, um, and, and this again, you know, coincided when we were kind of doing some um, Ozin. Uh, it coincided with the uh, the Daimler C- CEO uh, announcing that. There were some profit concerns uh, in light of the growing trade uh, tariffs that were being levied between the, the Chinese and the US. And with China being their, their number one market uh, by far, uh, it was uh, obviously of concern to the Daimler um, kind of chain of command. And so it, uh, it, it was quite timely that, that that announcement was made publicly by, by Daimler. And the next day, uh, we, we then see the scanning pick up uh, against their network.
0: Yeah, and that seems to be a, a clear pattern here. I suppose that uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, something topical happens, and uh, and they go out and and start poking around.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, we, the the one thing that we wanted to kind of project in the report was the the varied uh, kind of victim groups. Um, we're, we're talking about kind of a, a U.S. state government entity. Uh, we're, we're talking about a Department of Natural Resources, so, uh, an official government agency. Uh, we're talking about kind of telcos. Uh, we're, we're looking at. Uh, East African um, kind of investment um, channels for, for the Chinese state that relate to the, the Belt and Road Initiative. And also, you know, vital commercial uh, entities that uh, have obviously invested uh, heavily in China over the years that are also expressing concern in uh, the growing kind of trade difficulties that are arising as a result of the uh, the policies being enacted by the Chinese and, and US governments. And so the, the one thing we wanted to project here was that there was a very clearly a, a pattern here. Of something kicking off in in the public sphere, and uh, some some cyber espionage reconnaissance uh, taking place in and around those uh, public statements.
0: So, at the center of a lot of the things you're describing here is this backdoor that you all are calling XT4. What's going on with this?
1: So, the XT4 is a fascinating piece of malware um, for a couple reasons. The first one being that. It's a Linux-based backdoor, which is not the usual uh, kind of backdoor suspect. And then the second thing is how every hour the script runs for only 180 seconds. So this is a backdoor that individuals would only have access to for three minutes every hour. Hmm. So knowing the exact time is important, or one can just continue sending packets at the server until something hits. It's fascinating because it's so tailored, and it's done a lot, not just through the 180 seconds, but also by making sure that the backdoor acts as a background process running through a cron script, that it remains fairly undetectable.
2: It's a a very sophisticated backdoor, and that goes against the grain of generally what we found in the course of our analysis of, of the targeting of the Tibetan networks, uh, certainly uh, in the in the recent few months, uh, xt 4 as we call it, um, is a a Linux backdoor. It's specifically uh, devised for the, the CentOS operating system, and uh, it was sophisticated in insofar as that it was embedded within a uh, a cron job system file, which essentially runs every hour uh, on the uh, on the web server. Um, it's it's somewhat unclear to us at the minute with the uh, the data that we have that the X-T4 relates directly to the Tsinghua campaigns. But we can say with, with authority that the uh, the Tsinghua University was uh, probing the, the Tibetan network like it was also probing the, the Alaskan networks and the Kenya networks and, and, and all the others that we've stated in the report.
0: And so what kind of, uh, of activity is going on here? Are, are, are they using it to exfiltrate information? Is, is that basically what's happening?
1: We have not observed any particular successful activity hmm. surrounding this xd 4 the traffic that we did find from the Tsinghua IP were actually, interestingly enough, not the right packets. So this XT4 backdoor requires a specific TCP header and, and set of flags in order to be activated, in order to be accepted and to open up the backdoor for, for the uh, incoming traffic. And interestingly enough, the Tsinghua IP only sent the wrong headers. So that suggests that either there was some operational mistake, either this Chinese-based traffic was uncertain of the packet headers, or was, or may, made some mistake, or they don't really have as much to do with each other as, um, or they're not as closely related as one would think.
0: Mm. So, what are your conclusions here? Discovering what you did, um, what are the takeaways?
2: So the key takeaway for us is that the um, it, it's this pattern of activity, right? The, the, the Chinese authorities are also you know, are obviously very keen in uh, maintaining a uh, an economic strategic advantage, uh, especially when it comes to kind of uh, ongoing discussions for, for large-scale investment programs. So uh, what we hope we've kind of made clear in this report is that there may well be a, a flurry of kind of uh, bilateral cyber appeasement um policies signed, you know, that the, the, the US-Chinese uh, kind of governments signed a, uh, an agreement two years ago, uh, or three years ago now, which uh, kind of relaxed the uh, the concerns around the uh, the case of cyber espionage on, on each other. Um, but essentially what we're seeing here is, you know, a, a growing need and a, a solid requirement by the Chinese state to conduct espionage uh, in line with strategic uh, national interests. And so the intent is very clearly kind of borne out here. Now uh, I would be very surprised to see if, if the scanning activity come just stopped at scanning and reconnaissance and if no further action was, was, wasn't taking place I mean that, that's the kind of key thing here for us to, 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 to pick up on here is to uh, identify any onward exploitation uh, in light of the, the the TTPs that we've raised in this report
1: The biggest takeaway here is that even if you're a business or an organization that's attempting to be friendly with China and that is cooperating with China, you're still opening yourself up for risks related to cyber espionage and reconnaissance. So we've provided in the report the R rules and and some more um, IOCs, but really the big thing to take away here is the risk factor. Obviously, having a well-thought-out incidence response and communications plan is important, making sure you compartmentalize your company data so that the sensitive... Information is better protected than the rest, and also being aware of partner or supply chain security standards when you're doing business with a foreign organization.
2: It's a, it's a case of making sure that you're uh, if you're a, a corporate entity, if you're a government institution that has any dealings with uh, with with China uh, corporately or with the uh, with the state, um, to make sure that your intrusion detection systems and your intrusion prevention systems are uh, configured correctly to block connections from uh, Non-standard uh, IP IP addresses. So, you know, we, we've highlighted the the Chingy IP in in the report that we've produced. Uh, the first thing I would suggest uh, everyone to do is is to kind of uh, alert on on that IP and block any connections from it. But you know, going forward, I mean, the the likelihood is that uh, there'll be other IP addresses. There'll be novel techniques used by uh, cyber threat actors to to probe uh, corporate networks. So it's a case of being uh, aware of uh, what. Uh, a normal connection, a normal suite of, of connections would look like for your uh, corporate network, and to monitor for any anomalies based on uh, regular patterns of behavior. We've also provided a, a YARA rule for the, uh, the XT4 backdoor. So, uh, if there's a uh, any indication of uh, that XT4 backdoor being deployed on your network, the YARA rule, uh, if run uh, on your host-based uh, sensors, uh, flags up an alert. Well, that's something to to be concerned of, and, and we'd be very interested in learning more about any instances of the XT4 backdoor being deployed uh, anywhere around the world. On top of that, you know, some of the kind of basic hygiene, uh, cyber hygiene guidance is uh, a sort of still valid here, you know, keep all your software and applications up to date, uh, make sure you're scrutinizing uh, your email correspondence uh, for for malware and making sure that, you know, uh, spear phishing attempts are, are mitigated by stringent um, scrutinization of, of those uh, attachments and and, and mail services and you know, in terms of kind of making sure that you've compartmented your data on host networks so that if there is a compromise that the uh, the attacker has to work doubly as hard to uh, to, to gain access to sensitive corporate in, uh, data um, by uh, by making sure that, that that sensitive data was compartmented accordingly and protected with appropriate security measures. In general,
0: I mean when you look at this overall, does this really... How much does this align with what you come to expect from Chinese nation-state actors? Does this fall into pretty much uh, their, their typical tradecraft?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that because China is really growing into a cyber powerhouse and is determined to become this global influencer, they're going to be acting out in a more proactive and perhaps sometimes aggressive manner. In, in cyberspace. And so when one is trying to research these Chinese actors, I don't think that this would come as much of a surprise.
2: No matter who you speak to in terms of a, a, a government agency or, or a corporate that has uh, dealings with China, that they uh, no doubt are, are observing uh, probing uh, of, their networks, uh, of the network perimeter by Chinese IPs. Now, what was very surprising from my perspective that the activity was actually originating from an IP had who's registration details resolving to Chingwa, uh, I would have expected to see uh, the activity being kind of uh, directed through a, a level of obfuscation, perhaps through a VPS or, or something like that. The, the, this was quite a, a low-hanging fruit, really. I mean, if if, uh, if you're a, a security analyst at a, a corporate, you know, you, you really need to be aware of uh, a Chingwa IP probing your network. Right? I mean, it or it should be raising some concerns as, as you kind of look at the IP geo. Um, that's, that's
0: something that's fairly easy to kind of mitigate against. Our thanks to Winona DeSombre and Sanel Chohan from Recorded Future for joining us. The research is titled Chinese Cyber Espionage Originating from Tsinghua University Infrastructure. You can find it on the Recorded Future website. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense.